I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream, especially at this time of year. I mean, what better way to keep cool than with a vanilla cone or whatever flavor suits your fancy? Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. New York City is home to a wide variety of ice cream shops, including a brand new one that's serving up frozen treats to the 21 and over crowd. You're going to get maybe a little tipsy. You're not going to get, you know, smashed from this ice cream. Tipsy Scoop opened last month on Manhattan's east side. We'll get a taste coming up. We'll also hit up an ice cream parlor where vanilla and chocolate are considered exotic flavors. It's supposed to be a joke. It takes people a couple of minutes to get in, and then everyone laughs about it. A visit to the original Chinatown ice cream factory on the way. But first, we meet a former pastry chef who's now dishing up ice cream uniqueness on Manhattan's Lower East Side. My name is Nick Morgenstern, and we're here at Morgenstern's Finest Ice Cream at 2 Rivington in the Lower East Side in New York City. So, Nick, what path led you to ice cream? I worked as a pastry chef for about 15 years and eventually moved into owning restaurants and then opened an ice cream parlor. Were you making ice cream when you were in the kitchen? Yes, always. And what kinds of ice cream were you making back then before this? Mm, traditionally, I was trained in more fine dining restaurants, so more like creme anglaise French style, which has eggs. Your ice cream here is eggless. Yeah, so, so we usually have one flavor on the menu that has eggs, but out of 50, so the other 49 or so flavors don't have eggs. So making ice cream without eggs, what's the difference? Um, for me, I think that the most important aspect there with not using eggs is that the fat from the egg has a tendency to create richness in the ice cream, which is desirable, but in this case, I think it blocks the flavor. So what inspired the jump from pastry chef to owning your own ice cream shop? I always wanted to be in business, and I had a long-standing passion for ice cream for many, many years. Now, this ice cream shop opens at 8 a.m., so I guess there's no such thing as too early for ice cream? You'd be surprised. People are in here early in the morning. We sell a lot of milkshakes before noon, so that's like the ice cream smoothie. Let's talk about your flavors, your very unique flavors. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, we've got about 50 flavors on the menu. Uh, the menu's broken up into some different categories. So we have five different vanillas, five different chocolates, three different coffees, three different caramels, and three different strawberries. And inside of those categories, the flavors will rotate. Um, we have another seven or eight special flavors. We have some extra special flavors. We have sorbets. And then we have like a rotating cast of either collaboration or sort of like more like seasonal things. So when you say collaboration, you collaborate with others to create your flavors, right? We do a lot of work with other chefs, um, musicians, artists. Um, we do some stuff in the fashion space, you know. Different people are interested in different ways to express themselves through ice cream, so we try to help with that. So how do you collaborate with a musician on ice cream flavors? It depends. I mean, the easiest correlation is when we think about references, food references in the lyrics of a song, maybe. Or you can apply cultural references to things. So it's more, it's more tongue-in-cheek. We try not to be too literal with it. Give me an example of one that came from that kind of collaboration. The, the, mo like the, the, the first one was something on the menu that's called the New God Flow, which is originated from a Kanye West inspiration and it's a 
piece of Japanese white bread with raw milk, ice cream, and honey, and it kind of felt like something bountiful and like like the new god was flowing. So that I mean, it's stuff like that. It's funny. The fans of Kanye get it. I don't know if anyone else does. It's a good dish. People like the dish too. So there's that. What would you say are among the more unique flavors that came out of your collaborations? Once in a while, I have to say no to something. So the guys from Bunker, which is an amazing Vietnamese restaurant, um, was in Ridgewood, and they recently moved to Bushwick to a larger location. They had requested to make something with fish sauce, for example. Um, we wound up with a, something called Bunker Chunk, which is like a really like a Vietnamese-inspired mint chip. So it had like Vietnamese mint, Thai purple basil, lemongrass, and shiso all mixed together to make a mint chip. Really, really amazing flavor. Um, with Daniel Balud, we made a hot dog flavored ice cream in the shape of a hot dog. And then it was put inside of a bun, and it had a little bit of sort of like lightly pickled cabbage um it had like a raspberry ketchup that was literally ketchup with raspberry in it and it had a honey mustard which was mustard with a little bit of extra honey so that one was interesting you know it looked like a hot dog when you ate it i think it sort of played a little bit of a trick on your mind because it did taste like it sort of tasted like a hot dog but it was also kind of sweet so those are a couple of examples we've done hundreds of collaborations a lot of different stuff how frequently do you put out a new flavor? There's always there's something happening every month, oftentimes weekly. It depends on the time of year and what's going on. The entire menu changes once a year. So at, on our anniversary is May 23rd, so we change it then. And there's maybe 10 flavors that stay the same. And then the rest of the menu is new. So that's coming up this month. So what's the next big thing? I haven't decided I th- like we're finding we, we 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 made a flavor about a year and a half ago that's a coconut ash which is a black ice cream and that's like charcoal oriented and i think that i've said for a while i think that profile wise on fla- on palate people are more interested in this in things that are a little more alkaline and less acidic so we've been kind of inundated with acidity in our coffee and our wine and our food so I anticipate a little more interest in alkaline flavors. So how does that translate into an ice cream flavor? For me, that's more like doing something that's charred. So we've been doing charred herbs and charred vegetables and things like that. And that's been really interesting. So we did a series of flavors for the Edible Schoolyard um, benefit where we did charred Japanese eggplant and chocolate. We did like a caramelized sweet potato, caramel ice cream, burnt sage flavor with chocolate, smoked vanilla beans, things like that. I think that, that that's what we're thinking about this year. How painstaking is the process to make ice cream, the ice cream that you make, compared to making traditional, regular old ice cream? Um, it's all... We, we have a huge production happening here, so it's all just sort of like a workflow. It doesn't feel like it's any more or less complicated, though we, we put more work in than some. We make everything from scratch, we don't advertise that, but hopefully it's obvious. Other, I know other places, for example, can like buy parts of the process from big distribution. We, we, you know, we don't do that kind of thing. So, I came from working in fine dining places where you make everything, so it doesn't feel strange to me that we make everything. Now, you have ice cream sundaes, of course, on your menu. Is there an art to an ice cream sundae? <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, you need to have something cakey. You have to have whipped cream. You have to have a sauce. 
and you need to have something crunchy. So cakey, crunchy, sauce, and cream. Yep. And ice cream, obviously. So, and then you can play with the variation on those things. Sometimes you can omit one if you have something else in spades one way or the other, but that is the general metric, I think. That's my opinion. What is your favorite flavor on the menu? Oh, I don't like any of it. Yeah, why don't I believe that? <laughs> um, right now, the, uh, we have lemon shiso espresso. That's one of my favorites. Um, I love the burnt sage flavor that's on the menu. Um, really, if I'm just going to sit down and eat an ice cream cone, which I do once in a while, it's just a vanilla cone on, on a cake cone, like on the kid's cone. That's the one that I like. Classic. Kind of. Yeah, if you're a kid. It makes you feel like a kid. That's why I like it. What is the hottest seller? What's the most popular? The coconut ash, the salted caramel pretzel, the green tea pistachio, the Vietnamese coffee. Um, it moves around a little bit, like week to week or month to month, but those are the ones that are really up there. There's three of the vanillas, the bourbon vanilla, the burnt honey vanilla, and the Madagascar vanilla are really popular. All, all of the stuff sells. What are your plans? Do you plan to have more Morgan Sterns around the city or around the nation? Um, we're going to, we have some stuff coming up. We have some stuff coming up. We're working on things. Yeah. To be continued. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Cool. Thank you. Nick Morgenstern is the founder and owner of Morgenstern's Finest Ice Cream. It's located at 2 Rivington Street on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Now let's mosey on over to Chinatown to talk with Christina Seed. She's the owner of the original Chinatown Ice Cream Factory. The shop has been a staple in the neighborhood for four decades, drawing customers in with flavors like lychee, black sesame, and green tea. But as Christina tells us with a wink, they also feature more exotic flavors like vanilla and pistachio. My name is Christina Seed, and we're at the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory. How long has the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory been here in Chinatown now? We've been in Chinatown. This will be our 40th year. Wow, happy anniversary. Thanks. What's the history? My, my father started Chinatown Ice Cream Factory 40 years ago. And uh, in the same location, he had started something like an, a sandwich shop, a gourmet sandwich shop. But it was much before its time, so he changed into an ice cream shop. That was the time when all the ice cream shops, big ones like Ben & Jerry's and Carvel had come out. So we jumped on that bandwagon, but catered it more for like niche for the area. How different was the neighborhood when your father first started that establishment? Well, my father started this establishment two years before I was born. I didn't know even growing up myself how different it was from how it is today, but I only could tell you from the stories I've heard or seeing things on TV as well. Um, the neighborhood, even as I grew up, it was not New York City as we know it. People who grew up in New York City, we're not even just talking about Chinatown, it was very different. Um, it was much more affordable, for sure. It was more dangerous, the area, for sure. Um, they like the gang stories, a lot of gangs in the area. Things closed a lot earlier. There wasn't as much uh, nightlife, I would say. And uh, it wasn't as much of a it place to be as the New York City used to be. It, you, Chinatown itself is primarily was a, it's still an ethnic neighborhood, but now it seems like there's like hipsters, there's different things going on. But I think my dad was very innovative for his time, much before his time. 
What was it like for you to grow up around ice cream? It was fantastic because I love, actually, I love ice cream. I honestly eat ice cream every day. Even if I'm not around my store, if I'm on vacation in a foreign country, I still eat ice cream every day. It's part of my, it's not just a selfer, but I think it's part of who I am as well because I've grown up on the products. Um, it's fantastic, but at the same time, I felt that on the weekends, I really wanted to play with my friends. I think it's natural being a kid. Um, some people, when I hear these latchkey stories, um, I, I was so responsible, I wanted to come to work. I don't think it's natural to, to a certain level. I think all kids want to play in the park and they don't want to work. But uh, it was more of a responsibility for sure. Was it expected that you would go into the ice cream business? Um, not at all. My father didn't want us, any of us to go into the business. There's three of us. Um, he only wanted me to come to work because we didn't, couldn't afford extra help and it was not worth it for us to have the extra help. Um, so I would just tag along with my father and help out. But he used it as an example. He thought it would be an example of why I should study harder in school and not do this type of work. But it's, the irony is that it became a very successful business and I wound up to continue it. So which is, you know, I'm very happy that it worked out this way. So you have your regular flavors, which include lychee and almond cookie and taro and mango and red bean, and then you have your exotics. Now, some people might be surprised to see what's on your exotics list. So we have exotic flavors. For us, it's vanilla, chocolate, mocha chip. It's supposed to be a joke. It takes people a couple of minutes to get it, and then everyone laughs about it. So we did it initially as just a joke for the day, and then it people liked it so then we just kind of kept it and it's just been a mainstay people take pictures of the menu and they think it's hilarious how frequently do you look to reinvent yourself reinvent the flavors um reinventing the flavors i think people really like who we are and they like our main flavors so i don't want to say reinvent we always add to our list but it has to fit our identity as well we don't like to just be an Instagram sensation, which it seems like everybody wants to be. It's hip, I got a million hits, and people come, and then they go, and then they go to the next hip like hip thing that's going on. We want it to be something that um, has a lot of substance, staying power. What's involved in the ice cream making process? Um, the ice cream making process, well, first comes the ingredients. If you have poor ingredients, it's like what my dad says about cooking a steak, you could do all these different techniques to a steak but basically if you have a poor cut of meat the steak doesn't come out right um same with ice cream when you have ultra premium which is the grade that we're in we use the best products and that helps a lot and then just like cooking you have to tend to it you have to make sure not too much heat is applied to it and also just like ice cream you have to make sure that enough cold is applied and then not as not too much air because so many times have i eaten ice cream outside where it's like icy or it's too stiff or it's full of air full of air is the biggest problem because they're basically selling you like nothingness at the supermarket and uh you have to make sure it's just the right consistency now i know that you're very active in the community and you're also out there with young people talking about entrepreneurship and how to start your own business and build your own success uh yes i try to be as active as i can what is your biggest advice to others who might want to start their own business here in great big new york city my biggest advice is everyone wants to be in new york city 
And I think if you want to start a business, it doesn't have to be in New York City. I think New York City is like one of the most competitive places to open a business. I think I just, we were in New York City at the right time and we had lots of years that were very slow, very, very slow. People just think the ice cream store was always this way. It definitely was not because this was not the route that we were supposed to take. Because now you have big lines outside yeah. of your store. Definitely big lines. I was just thinking about it, that I think if I was to do it, if I had to start it right now, I don't know if I would want to start it in New York, but because I'm based here, that I have a foundation here, but everyone gets so attached to the idea of New York, but sometimes when you, you're creative and you're an entrepreneur, you want to create something, not just do what everyone else is doing. So that's part of the beauty of being an entrepreneur too, to start something that no one else is doing. Right down the street here, there's a Haagen-Dazs. I would imagine that Haagen-Dazs wasn't here when you were first here. Actually, Haagen-Dazs was here. Is that right? But it was a Carvel. Huh? So you did have some ice cream competition in the neighborhood. Yes, we definitely did. And this is when, going back to why my father decided to start the ice cream business, this is when ice cream was starting to become like a big thing, when Ben & Jerry's, Carvel. Carvel was huge back then. Um, this was, at one point, the highest grossing Carvel in the country. And, but at the same time, it didn't cater to the neighborhood people. And um, our neighborhood was changing to be more Chinese. Um, so I he went with that. But it was, even with when ice cream was coming out and it was popular, it's not popular like people think popular now for New York City. If something's popular now in New York City, we're so overpopulated that it's lines and lines and lines. Back then, if we sold a pint of ice cream, it was like a big deal. All right, Christina, anything else about being in the ice cream business in Chinatown that you would want to add? I think it's perfect weather for being in ice cream, and it's, like, very happy, and I'm very happy that for our 40th year, I see people coming in all the time. I grew up with the store. It's always, like, happy memories, even if it's when I see people who come from the funeral parlor that's a few blocks away. Even though they've endured so much sadness, that when they come they're here, they're happy. And to be part of that is really, you know, you feel like you're part of people's life, even if you don't know them. What's your favorite flavor? Um, I'm a big fan of the almond cookie. All right, Christina, thank you so much. Thank you. Christina Seed is the owner of the original Chinatown Ice Cream Factory at 65 Bayard Street in Manhattan. The next stop on this tour of New York City's hot spots for frozen treats will only serve you if you're at least 21 years old. That's because their ice cream is infused with alcohol. Melissa Tavs is the founder of Tipsy Scoop. I caught up with Melissa at her brand new brick-and-mortar ice cream barlor on Manhattan's east side. So, Melissa, how did the idea for alcohol-infused ice cream come about? Yeah, so actually ice cream making runs in my family. Uh, My family's from Italy, and they brought over uh, gelato carts to Scotland back in the 1800s. So they were bringing some of the first gelato carts over there. That was pretty novelty and new at that time. Um, So ice cream making has really been a passion of mine um, since I was little. I was always trying to perfect 
my ice cream making in a little Cuisinart machine, which is quite difficult. My machine now is much better. Um, but I was adding alcohol in the beginning to soften the ice cream. A lot of recipes call for like a spoonful of alcohol to uh, soften and make it less icy. And then I thought, you know, it would be so cool if this could actually hold an alcohol content. Like, unlike a rum cake or cooking with alcohol, the ice cream doesn't, it doesn't have to have the alcohol burnt off. It can actually hold an alcohol content. So then through a lot of trial and error, um, I found out a way to get the alcohol to freeze by still having a creamy ice cream consistency. So what was the first alcohol that you experimented with? So I actually used to work, too, in marketing for different liquor brands. So one of my clients was Jack Daniels, and I started with the one of our most popular flavors to this day, which is the dark chocolate whiskey salted caramel. Um, so I was trying to add a little whiskey to um, my ice cream and see how, if it could freeze. Um, the whiskey is really nice because you can really taste it in the ice cream, too. It doesn't get hidden at all. Um, and I think it's a really nice combination with the dark chocolate and salted caramel as well. Um, you know, I would always think about pairing like a dram of whiskey with one of those like Ghirardelli dark chocolate squares with the salted caramel inside. And I think that combination really comes through in the ice cream. So who were your early taste testers? <laughs> I would say my mom, dad, and husband probably can't eat that much of my ice cream anymore because they overdosed on it in the beginning. Um, but now we have a bit of a larger audience, so <laughs> that's good. How many flavors do you have now? So we have um, over 15 flavors that will be available at the store. Uh, we do sell wholesale as well, so to grocery stores there's usually like six different flavors. Um, but here there will be 15, and then we'll have seasonal flavors. So um, each month we'll be doing like seasonal limited edition flavors. What are some of the flavors on the menu? So we're really excited about our first limited edition flavor. Um, we're working with different liquor brands for that. Um, we're working with Patron for the first one. So they had a Margarita of the Year competition this year, and we worked with the mixologist who won that competition to translate his margarita into an ice cream. Um, so it's kind of a two-flavored sundae. Uh, it's in a churro cone bowl, and the bottom scoop is a orange uh, tequila reposado sorbet topped with a red wine floater. So the top scoop is like a red wine mixed berry sorbet, and it's delicious. <laughs> I'm looking over your shoulder here at some of the other flavors. Cake batter vodka martini. Now that one sounds absolutely <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That's actually my personal favorite. Um, that one is with cake flavored vodka, amaretto, and white chocolate liqueur. Um, and it's super popular. Yeah. So this is your first brick and mortar in New York City. Yes. Yeah, we're really excited. So brick and mortar really wasn't in my business plan at all. Um, we started with just catering and events a little bit smaller, then added in wholesale about a year and a half ago. Um, and last year we had a bunch of videos go viral on Facebook about our company. Um, and people were showing up to our production facility, which is in East Harlem, under the Metro North, almost impossible to find, but they found us there in hairnets making ice cream, <laughs> and they were looking for a scoop shop. So there was really the demand for it, and that's kind of what drove us to open a store. Are you going to have to card people? Do you have to be 21 to eat your ice cream? You do. Um, so, yes, we will be carding people. Um, and, yeah, we'll be strict about making sure you're 21 or over. Um, no fake IDs here, so... 
that being said, do you have to have a liquor license to do this? So we don't have to have a liquor license, but we did have to go through quite the approval process to be declared as a non-beverage um, and have the proper signage and verbiage up to um, explain what exactly um, is in the ice cream. They're up to 5% alcohol by volume, so they do have an alcohol content, but you're going to get maybe a little tipsy. You're not going to get you know, smashed from this ice cream. How easy was it for you to come up with the name Tipsy Scoop? Uh, it actually was pretty easy. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it works really well. Um, but once we kind of put those two words together, we're like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> what, if anything, has surprised you most about entering this line of business? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think that most people think that we're just sitting around trying different liquors and ice cream all day, <laughs> um, and it's a lot of work. You know, it was kind of an accidental business how it started. Uh, I was just doing catering for my friends' weddings and events, um, and then it actually turned into a real business. So, you know, there's always obstacles that come along with that, but I think um, being persistent has been most important, and finding a good team is, it has been great. What are your plans for the future? <laughs> well, we'll see how our first storefront does, hopefully well. Um, and then, you know, maybe more brick and mortar added, you know, around the country. Um, we just signed a distribution deal with somebody in Hawaii, so we're excited about that. Good excuse to visit them over there. Um, and just kind of making our ice cream available throughout the U.S., so if you can't make it to our store in New York, we do ship nationwide. So on a website called goldbelly.com, you can order our ice cream. It's delivered in dry ice in a foam cooler directly to your door. So it's delivered to Hawaii, Alaska, anywhere, so we don't discriminate. <laughs> so Melissa, let's do a little taste testing. Yes, that would be great. So I'm going to have you try a boozy ice cream flight. Um, which will be only offered at our store. So basically you can get a flight of ice cream like you would if you were at like a brewery or a distillery. You can try a bunch of different beers or whiskeys. So we have little shot glasses um, rimmed with rainbow sprinkles and chocolate um, and topped with ice cream. So you can try four different flavors at once. Okay, um, so what am I starting with? All right, so we'll have you start with the tequila Mexican hot chocolate, um, which is, as it sounds, made with tequila, um, cinnamon, and uh, Mexican hot chocolate blend. Okay, always have the challenge of juggling a microphone yes. and tasting at the same time, so let's go and give this one a taste. You got it. And the chocolate and sprinkles kind of blend in there, so it's, it's a good combination. Wow, that is really good. That is <laughs> can really you taste good. taste the alcohol? Yes, I can taste the alcohol. Yeah, it's, it's kind of um, more in the aftertaste, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, it's pretty subtle, but I think with the tequila and whiskey flavors, you can taste it a little bit more. Okay, so so far I have a favorite. Let's see if anything okay, tops okay. it because that was really good. So Let me, uh, can I just drop this yeah, spoon over here? Okay. So this is the red velvet martini. Um, so it is made with a cake-flavored vodka, cherry liqueur, and a chocolate liqueur. Okay, here we go. Yes. Give this one a sample. I have to have a little bit more of that. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I think that goes well also if you were to do two scoops with the tequila hot chocolate. It's okay to mix and match your liquors here. Yeah. It's not going to, like, make you sick like it normally does. Yeah, you could have two scoops or three yeah, scoops. Exactly. Share. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, this one is a little more subtle in the alcohol yeah. flavor. So I, I say that, you know, it's made with a cake-flavored vodka, which if you drank on its own, you wouldn't really be able to taste the vodka that much anyway. Um, so I think, yeah, the tequila and whiskey ones really come through a little bit more. Okay, what do we have here? All right, so now we have a sorbet. So all of our sorbets are dairy-free and vegan, which is awesome for those who are lactose intolerant. Um, this is the mango margarita sorbet. Mango um, margarita? But it really tastes like summer. I'll let you, I'll let you try. Okay, let's see. That is really good. I feel like I'm on vacation yes, with that definitely. one. Definitely, yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Um, yeah, that one is really popular too. You can take home pints and just like scoop um, a little sorbet into a glass and top it with like prosecco or more tequila if you want. Um, but it's kind of a nice summer cocktail. And finally, yes, this last one is my favorite flavor. So we have the cake batter vodka martini, cake flavored vodka, and amaretto and white chocolate liqueur. All right, let's give it a shot. Literally, yeah. <laughs> that one is really good too. Yeah, really good. Love They're it. all absolutely amazing. You I don't think I can choose a favorite. You don't have to choose a favorite. It's okay. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. Melissa Tavs is the founder of Tipsy Scoop. The newly opened Tipsy Scoop Barlor is located at 217 East 26th Street in Manhattan. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producers Claire Drake and Zach Zalas. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.